Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to 2020, a new year of cast dice. This is the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said, definitely on this podcast, every single episode, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are literally just too many games out there that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. It can lead to a serious case of missing out. You know, there's just too many good things to do, too many good things to play. And, you know, sometimes time is even rarer than money. And so... It's hard to know which way to spend your time, as gaming time can be so rare. Now, it being the end of a year, it is, it's naturally time that we as gamers or as human beings sort of look back and take stock. I've been speaking with quite a few friends online, gamers and non-gamers alike. And we've been thinking about, you know, our goals, how we are going, what we can do to do better. Um, I think it's a good time to sit down and have one of those conversations with a good friend. And when I say a good friend, I mean literally one of my best. Uh, a good man who I've been talking to forever, online and in person. I just wish as good a man as this man is, he had a better baseball cap. But before we get into what baseball cap he's wearing, of course I'm talking about the man who can paint and probably has painted an entire army in the span of my introduction of him today. Um, a man who is award-winning painter many times over, is just a fantastic human being, and is, a, you know, Pachamus, the, the beardimus on Grimlockiness himself. Patch, welcome back to Cast Ice. Hello, Brad. <laughs> it's dude. It is so good to hear your voice. How you doing? Really good, thanks. Really good. And I do like the fact that I'm the I'm probably the most popular presenter you've had on this year. I hate to say it, you may be right. Well, I think I you think and I, I think you and Rick go neck and neck. Oh, but it's like, hang on. When was the last time you had Rick on? This it was recently. It was recently. Like a, Rick's oh, around. Today. Like, was it today? Oh, I see. Oh, I'm sorry. Today's You're making a 2020 joke. You are literally the most popular guest that I've had this year, Patch. I, I have three children. I can do dad jokes. <laughs> see, I'm usually the man, the myth, the legend with the dad joke in my classroom. But um, I'm on school holidays, so I'm a little out of practice. Oh. Yes. Things are, things are great, Brad. It's very hot, obviously. And we're, we're blanketed in a very thick pool of smoke here in Canberra, but um, other than that, things are great. Yeah, and guys, we um, we in the Cast Ice family and in our group of friends have uh, several family and friends members who work for the Volunteer Fire Brigade and just for the Fire Brigade in general. And if we can take a second just to acknowledge, I mean, we often talk about heroes that we like to put on the tabletop and portray in tabletop games, war games, whatever else, and we... Talk about all kinds of heroes, but I do think it is important to take a two-second nod and say a big thank you to the people who are out there protecting uh, Australia, Australians, and um, I mean, the fires that we are experiencing right now uh, are just terrible, and it, it really affects so many of our lives. Um, if, if, you know, whatever, whoever is out there, if you're listening to this and you are helping people, uh, thank you very much. Uh, it is you know, I, words cannot express how much we appreciate and thank you for your hard work and effort. So, thank you. Mm, absolutely, well said. Mm. We'll patch, uh, patch, patch, patch. It being a right. brand new year, I'm going to lean on you already. 
How many armies have you painted this year, Patch? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't made a start. I haven't made a start yet. In fact, my painting has slowed down a little bit lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to uh, I've got to work out. I've got a new routine, work and shift work, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I've got to figure out the best way to fit painting into that routine. Because I think for any of your listeners who who do work a that that full shift cycle yeah. with nights and uh, and mm-hmm. days and afternoons can 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 appreciate that uh, it does throw your whole routine out. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to one of the things I wanted to talk to you tonight was in the past I know you have talked about the importance of making a little bit of time. One of the reasons why you are so successful and prolific as a painter is that you make the time. And it's not that mm. you throw down. I mean, you're a family man, you work, you have, you know, a wife, you spend a lot of time with them, uh, sorry, with your family and your wife. You don't necessarily, you know, knock out 6 hours of painting at a go. You are a oh, guy no. who sits down and puts in a little bit of time every day. Um, That's right. And I, I think I've tried to do that more this year, I think, to great success. Um, I am a notorious binge painter, though, where I'll sit down for six hours. But if I can get, I'm trying to get just, as you've suggested, just those little chunks. And I think it's really helped um, my mental health and an otherwise very difficult year just to take a little bit of time every day or every other day, just to take a little bit of time for myself and to just, you know, to feel that success of, uh, mm. you know, getting a little bit more done. So, yeah, I, 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 that's been super helpful for me. But I think, as you say, if your schedule changes, it, it can be a little unsettling until you find the new one, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. Like, it's just, it's just adapting to the circumstances mm. of, okay, like you, you hit it in the head, mate. You know, we or my routine was always of an evening. Once the kids have gone to bed, mm-hmm. there's, there presented itself about an hour where I could I could paint. Right. You know, and when you develop your routines, you develop your, your particular way that you paint. You can really knock out a lot in an hour. You know, and, and and over a week, you'll get you get five hours. You might get a little bit here and there extra, maybe early in the morning or. A, or a bit extra one night, and all of a sudden you found yourself eight hours a week painting. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot in that time. Yeah, you right? can. Um, you know, you say you binge paint, but like that might be a six-hour block a month. Yeah, exactly. You know, so when I'm doing maybe eight hours or so a week, it, it really adds up and I can achieve things. But working shift work, um, you know, all of a sudden the, the, the actual contact time at work is longer. So I've gone to 10-hour days mm-hmm. or 10-hour shifts, so I've got less time – you know, between um, shifts now, but they're also all over the place. And, you know, for those that have worked a night shift, it's pretty much like you're not going to get a lot done between no. those night shifts. You know, you just want to sleep, and when you're not sleeping, you just like to sit there in a zombie-like state mm-hmm. uh, digesting whatever's on TV or not wanting to do anything that's too taxing on your brain. Exactly. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's about me now adjusting to that and then just forcing myself, like just at the start, to just do a little bit and it might only be, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes of right. just, I might put some base coats on, I might mm-hmm. do some small details and then put it away knowing that I don't have the endurance at that point to do like an hour block. Right. But it would develop that routine again of just every day doing a little bit. And then on my off days, like, you know, I, I've got, I've got, um, periods in my, in my schedule where I'll have blocks of four days off. Yeah then I can I can do a little bit more during that period. So it's just adjusting to that. That's all. Definitely. Yeah. I had a good run. 
I achieved a lot. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> and I imagine you will be again shortly. But I mean, there's something else that you've said previously, and I think in this conversation, if people haven't heard you talk before, and Patch, um, for those who aren't familiar, is notorious for painting. And I know I make jokes, but I mean, in the a- average given year, you paint four, five more mm. armies. I know there's lots of other things thrown in the middle, but I mean, there was a time and a place where you just tore through armies at a prolific pace or at a yeah. maniac pace. But I think these days you're doing more targeted. Um, well, then again, you're, but I guess yeah. what I'm saying is when you, when we talked previously, um, the thing that you said was make that time every day, but you also know what you're doing before you start. Yeah, um, you don't just sit there and potter Plan. about for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, figuring out what do I feel like doing today. So for me, it's that when I'm walking home, I wonder if I'm going to have some hobby time tonight. Cool, I think I might. If I hobby tonight, this is what I'm going to do. And it might even be I don't have time tonight, but I do have the models that I cleaned on the weekend. So now I'm going to yeah. give them a spray. Cool. Yeah. Done. Because I can do that while I'm cooking dinner. Give them a spray, walk back inside, do some more cooking, flip them over, spray the other side, go back in. No problems. Mm. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, Well, like I'll go through – I was just thinking about what I did in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess I did achieve quite a few armies. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it earlier today, what I've actually achieved. And, um, yeah, there's a few – yeah. There's a few. I think Kings of War, there's mm-hmm. three armies. So three 2,000-point armies. Yeah. Um, and then in 40K, I did four. Damn. I think I painted four armies for 40K. And then um, whatever, oh, a lot of uh, a lot of sundry stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things for yourself. Hey, thank you. Yeah, like yeah. bits and pieces here and there. And uh, yeah, so probably like, you know, seven or eight armies I would have painted last year. Yeah. And what I love about what you just said is now um, I know you did say you painted three Kings of War armies, and Kings of War armies are a lot of models. So that is a huge amount as it is. But mm. then you've painted four 40K armies. Now you're not a 40K player, air quotes, 40K player. Like you don't go play in events, you're not a big, you don't get out in the public with 40K much. You play 40K with your son. That is amazing. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. He's he's turning eight in February. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, think about like the 40K stuff. Um, I guess, you know, we can probably chat in more detail about what maybe my expectations were at the start yeah. of last year about that and mm-hmm. then where it ended up. But um, Totally. And we will get to that. That is a segment yeah. that we are getting to. But for, for a casual, like I don't mind, like I've got a couple of really good mates here who will throw down some 40K, but primarily what it's for is is to play with my son and not just now, but into the future. So setting it all up, um, he – he thrives on these armies. We mm-hmm. we paint them. We put them aside. He gets to play with them all the time. He knows all their names, and um, we're gearing up for you know small games. And then in the future, I could I could clearly see ourselves really having great fun, lengthy battles over weeks with these forty k armies. Yeah, man, I love it. Love it. It's fantastic. Well, Patch, today is li- literally the first of. Uh, January. I mean, it's literally the first day of 2020, which is wh- wh- why all these jokes are terrible. Uh, but I got to say, I uh, I got up to a little mischief last night. Did you uh, Did you have a big night? 
I was asleep by nine. <laughs> hey, man, I've done that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can. I definitely understand that. New Year's is one of my least favorite holidays, mainly because I grew up in Boston. And in Boston, they have this awesome celebration called First Night where everyone goes, takes to the streets, and they have all these, you know, like ice carvings and live bands and all these sensational things to do outside. But the last place I want to be outside on uh, you know, in the middle of the winter, in the middle of the night, is Boston, full with, you know, drunk Bostonians when it's below freezing. Yeah, no, that's not my <laughs> idea of a good time. So I usually stay home. Um, in fact, I got into a really good habit with the guy who introduced me to gaming in the first place, my good friend Jason Reif, um, when I was a kid, um, and even as an adult, and then, you know, all the way up through high school and college, we we just sort of, neither one of us really wanted to get out. And so we'd, you know, order a couple of pizzas and put some bad, you know, movie on in the background and play some games. And that, um, man, I think that solidified some of my love of gaming was just, uh, you know, New Year's. Um, but last night was uh, a celebration of a different kind. I got to go see a friend of mine's band, um, the Melbourne Scar Orchestra, their kind of a big deal uh, down here. They've just won another Ari Award, and uh, they were playing sold-out gig in St. Kilda, and uh, friends of ours got us tickets, and so uh, thanks, Mark. And um, I, my wife, my father-in-law, and I went to see the Melbourne Ska Orchestra, and it was absolutely fantastic. And um, I used to be in a ska band for years, so it was just fantastic to be out in the live gig. I haven't been out much this year. Um, and I think that will tie into some of the things we'll talk about in a little bit, but it was great. And, um, about two songs in, they turned to the audience and yelled out, Hey, we need someone to keep time. Who wants to be the timekeeper? And no one put up their hand. And of course being who I am, I put my hand up and, um, yeah, they brought me on stage and sang a little song called Bradley, the timekeeper. And, uh, <laughs> they had me come back every 15 minutes to do the live update. And, uh, I let them know. And then they brought me on stage for the last five minutes and counted it down. And, uh, it was, it was a, a, a fantastic night. And, um, yeah, it just reminded me of how much fun live music can be. And, you know, how as much as I love gaming, how it's nice to lean into uh, older or other interests from time to time. I don't know. Um, you have any experiences like that? Not really. You know, <laughs> I, I guess for me, um, really, my whole life revolves around my family at yeah. now. And yeah. um, when an opportunity presents itself, really, I, I choose them. Yeah, man. And uh, we just hang out. And, and today we had the Snakes and Ladders Grand Championship. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's about. So gaming, mm -hmm. family and work and music. Look, mate, I, I think I've spoken to you about my music before. As far as I'm concerned, music peaked at Pearl Jam and hasn't really. <laughs> there's, been, there's been nothing since. Yeah. I hear you, brother. I hear you. Uh, I do love that my the kids in my class, and I will stop talking about uh, you know uh, non gaming things in a second. But I do love that all the kids in my class because I you know I get to school, I set up my classroom every morning. I get I like to get in early, uh, and you know get mentally set for the day. Uh, and I always listen to gaming podcasts on the way to school. But then when I get to school, uh, I put on bad eighties music at mind shearing volumes, and because uh, yeah, I, I like to get in at least an hour before. And it's, you know, people know, because I'm next to the photocopier, that, you know, you're going to get some bad 80s right at you or some ska music or maybe some punk, no matter what, right before school. <laughs> and people, yeah, it's just one of those things that they're like, yep, 
if I'm ever feeling sad, I'm going to go photocopy something because there's Brad's going to be doing something and it's going to be cheerful. It's like, well, you got to get your head right, man. You teach in primary yeah. school. Can't be grumpy. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Let's talk toys. Yes, man. Now, we the reason that I'm having you on today, A, I haven't had you on forever. And as you know, I love talking shop with you. Um, but we have a thread uh, with some friends and we like to talk about, you know, life in general gaming and everything else that uh comes up and our good friend casey threw out some questions for us uh and i thought they were really uh worth discussing now casey's out on a trip so i couldn't invite him on and um hey you know i thought that you and i would have a lot of great things to talk about so shall we discuss the questions in question yeah, I, I thought they were really good. Like the, the questions posed, maybe have a good think about what's happened in the last year. So let's let's throw them down, and uh, yeah. you know maybe the listeners can have a think about it themselves. Mm. Now, this was Casey's. He he threw out in the form of now, what was everyone's high hobby high point for 2019? And he kind of broke it down. What was his favorite, or what's our favorite project? Um, what's our overall favorite game of the year? And were there any disappointments, things that we weren't necessarily happy with? So let's take that and break it into pieces. Um, yep. Talking about high points for the hobby for 2019. Now, you, as you said, you painted something like eight armies this year and other assorted sundry bits and pieces. Um, mm. For you, what was your hobby high point project-wise? Great. All right. Well, my hobby high point project-wise was... Um, building and painting a Kings of War elf army yes. um, based on, and uh, I think it was loosely titled the uh, Defenders of the Forest Deep. So that mm-hmm. gives you an indication that it was quite a traditional um, elf, mm-hmm. like a, a forest elf um, type of force. That's right. And what I loved about it was a couple of things. One was that uh, Casey actually had come into possession of these, you know, a bunch of elves and. Uh, he, he, he wasn't going to do anything with it. So he offered it, offered it to me and I took him. and, um, that's no mean feat considering he's in Texas and I'm in Australia. That's right. Um, but I got my hands on him and what I found was, was first of all, it kind of kicked something off that's been tinkering there for a while, which was a love of old school games workshop metal miniatures. Yes. So we're talking the nineties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're now talking twenty to thirty year old miniatures. Yeah. And uh, and so I built this built this elf army off some of those really old glade stalkers and things like that. I think they're called glade stalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these beautiful elf miniatures. And uh, you know that was my high, high point in that I, I I for you know I brought these really old miniatures that had been grey warriors forever mm-hmm. for like 25 years or something and, uh, and I brought them to life using I guess some of the tech, the modern techniques yeah and that um, you know they stand up they are gorgeous <laughs> they, yes they are gorgeous miniatures and they stand up and there's something about working with them the character this, mm-hmm. the, you know the the funness you can yeah. just look into these miniatures and you can tell the guys are you know for one they're they're like yeah they're probably playing D and D while stoned <laughs> and they're yes. you know they're making these miniatures up and um, so I love I love them and 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 so I built that and then I was able to bring in some other miniatures I brought in some miniatures from Mantic and mm-hmm. and and I actually incorporated some uh, Games Workshop Dark Elves yep. and I created a you know a two and a half thousand point Kings of War army with, um, you know, really nice basing and, 
and, and all that as well. So that was a real high point for me. It was it was just grabbing these miniatures that that had sort of sat unloved for such a long time, and then yeah. creating something which I was really proud of. Well, that's one of the cool things about Kings of War. It's a you know being a miniature agnostic game. Um, being able to take, and I know having seen pictures of your army that you took, for example, uh, Chris Fitzpatrick's gorgeous witch elf army or mm. witch elf models, and you added them to, you know, old school and then newer school plastic uh, wood elf miniatures, you know, more traditional yeah. bow and cloak having wood elf miniatures. And by unifying color schemes and, you know, having the same bases they man they blended right together and the, we're did, talking yeah. about models that are literally decades apart in some cases um but they just came together beautifully and then you were able to add as you said semantic models and i think you added some tree models from all i mean you had tree models from at least three manufacturers um because uh, you had yes. the the warlord ones that are made through tt you they had yeah, they Mantic. they're cool. Yeah, they had the yep, mantic had ones, and there was there was another one, wasn't there? But it was it was the Games Workshop. Um, you know the little uh, oh, the I can't remember what they're called. Yeah, dryads. Yeah, so I had them mixed in the in it as well. Um, but yeah, like it, look, the army turned out really well. I'm very proud of it. I've just got to get a chance to play it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear you, brother. Well, I'm having the same sort of experience with uh, Warlords of Erewhon. Uh, yeah. I'm, I've been pulling little bits and pieces of undead models um, from left, right, and center. I know I got some plastic skeletons from yourself. Um, I know I had uh, a couple of metal uh, skeleton armored halberdiers and spearmen from, from God, when I lived in New Orleans. So it would have been like 96, 97. Um, yeah. From the the vampire the Bretonian vampire lord campaign way back when, um, when the the box was lizard men and Bretonians. Anyway, so <laughs> I got I had some of those, and then I was able to find a couple more through eBay, and then um, one of the Heralds of War podcast guys was able to hook me up with a couple more. So now I actually have a full unit of those. But then to pull to step away from GW, um, I got some of the um, oh, what is that game? The Frostgrave. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The armored yeah. skeletons and mm. their their leech model. They're just gorgeous. And then throwing in you know some assorted wraiths from assorted manufacturers. All of a sudden, this army just putting it down. It looks fantastic. But the, it's from all over the place, and generationally, my God, it's it's yeah. like like your elves. It's from you know, all all points in time and places, but it looks fantastic together. And I can't wait to actually put paint on it um, once I've gotten all the pieces together. Uh, but yeah, I've literally been pulling pieces together for that army for a year now, just slowly pulling them up as I see them and as they become available. Uh, because some of the models that I really want, nobody's made them in forever. So I'm looking secondhand and looking to not pay yeah. through the nose. But man, it's, it, it's cool. It's something about painting miniatures that, you know, are just not produced anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so the other, well, the other uh, hobby high point I'd like to sort of, I, I guess, highlight Please. is I painted up a regiment, which is 10 um, Grail Knights. And oh, these are yeah. Your, Mm -hmm. I guess they're the original Grail Knights from the 90s. 
Um, I think they're the newer of them, but yeah, I think they're still late nineties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are. I think I looked at the the, the tabs. And yeah, they, and they were they were probably I don't know if they, if they were late nineties or, or something like that. Um, late nineties, early two thousands. I can't remember, but anyway, they're quite old. So I mean, yeah, no, yeah. That we'll call it say twenty years old. Um, and Easily. these Grail Knights, to get ten of them together was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, could, I know they're really rare at the moment. Yeah. And, um, and I guess what I'm proud of those are is is each one of those Grail Knights are treated like a hero, um, which mm-hmm. they deserve. So they're all individually um, coloured, like individual yeah. um, tabards and, and, and colour schemes. Yep. And there was a lot of freehand on them. And that and that took some time, but when they're together, and then banners and and the whole works mm-hmm. and and basing, and when they're together, I just sort of sat back and went, "I'm really proud of that unit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really proud of that. It's something I, I, uh, it, it's like one of those, you know, those life boxes you tick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just something you're just like, you know, what I've always wanted to have this group of of cavalry, these Grail knights with these beautiful armor and barding and lances and banners and and i did it yeah man yeah well, full metal and it's a heavy regiment too oh, man, so you yeah. know it and you don't <laughs> want to drop that um, no. it, now if i can springboard off of that um my my hobby high point project wise um as you know um as as my friend who helps me with infantry because i'm criminally slow with painting in general but infantry in particular I really wanted to try and get one infantry project painted this year. Um, I, I, it's not something I'd done in, in a while. Uh, I, I, I paint tons of bits and pieces. I paint tons of vehicles, uh, tons of monsters, but I don't tend to do in an in, in infantry army. And um, having not done uh, my own Star Wars Legion army the year before, I really wanted to get my Imperials done. Um and so I converted my Mimbin Stormtroopers using 3D printed heads, using resin capes that I got from Victoria Models. Uh, I really wanted to do something different, and I was able to use your sponging technique um, mm-hmm. uh, and was able to fire through enough infantry to create a full army, painted the tank, painted the ATAT, painted a few characters. But then, like you, I then wanted to get into some actual a unit of individual characters and so yeah for me i really wanted to do the bounty hunters from empire strikes back even from mm. as a kid they were just so iconic to me so i sat down um well i, I found the models uh, on shapeways and through skull forge uh and i was able to get both i was able to get all of them and um yeah i've sat down now and painted my bounty hunter squad, and uh, it took me uh, <laughs> took me a long time, but uh, I'm glad to see that they are finally finished. And uh, I was able to put them on the table uh, not yesterday, the day before. And so, yeah, that was pretty special to be able to at the very end of the year say, "Bam, I've got this army done. It is completely yeah. finished, and I have my you know centerpiece unit." to go with it and then as a little bonus i got my mandalorian painted to be my uh, operative boba fett so i can have mando on the board after watching the uh, awesome the show so yeah man so excited about that how good how good just a, as an interesting point how good is completion for 
just some general, you know, esprit de corps, even mental health. It is, man. It's so good. Just, you feel like you got something done, right? That's exactly it. You complete you completed a project. You've seen it from start to finish, and that feels good. It does. Uh, I'm one of the things I didn't get out to do a lot in 2019 was I didn't get out to many events. Uh, in fact, I played in almost none. But uh, and I found that that really, I mean, without having something to paint for or paint towards. Uh, I tend to struggle to get projects done as I jump from one project to another. Um, mm. My ADHD gets the better of me in a big way. And when I say that, I've had a few people say, oh, um, it's not funny to make ADHD jokes. Um, I was one of the original Ritalin kids in the 80s. Uh, it's probably why the way I am now. But um, I stopped the Ritalin after college, and I've grown up and I have strategies with it. But you know, when it comes to my own personal, um, what I love and what, what drives my hobby is a lot of, um, it's, it's jumping from project to project. It's it, look, I could get into the, the neuroscience of it, but no one wants to hear that, but it has to do with the brain releasing dopamine. And when it's a new project and exciting, um, people with ADHD can have actually deficiency of, uh, deficiency of, dopamine and so it makes them really impulsive and it makes them really keen for something but then they get really keen about something else it's kind of like the goldfish phenomenon you ooh it's a go- ooh it's a castle ooh it's a castle ooh it's a castle um but because of that it's sometimes hard for me if i don't have something to paint towards to keep mm. that momentum um as my brain seeks dopamine in other places so um for me i've been i i'm i'm lining up a few events coming up that i'm trying to get to nothing big nothing crazy um good friend of the show jermaine who's been on in the past is is running a war cry event this weekend and so i'm painting up a unit of black orcs that i can go play uh, war cry with and it's just one of those units that's been sitting on my painting desk literally for six months. But now that I have something to paint it for, I sat down yesterday and I sat down today, put a couple hours in each day and I'm hoping to have them done by Saturday. Um, just so I can get them on the table and say, bang done. Um, and as you say, have that, that completionist, have that, that positive, like, Oh, look, I got that done. Um, plus I get to play with painted toy soldiers. What nothing better than that, man. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I won't play otherwise. Yeah, right. But you know, it's it sometimes I, I when Drew came over the other day, Drew Baca from the uh, Beyond the First Marker podcast, he came over on our forty degree day, um, and we were supposed to go back to his house to play, but because of the heat, um, I suggested, well, why don't we just stay here and play here? But he didn't have his models with me. Uh, or sorry, with him. So we he played using um, my rebels that you painted, which are gorgeous, and I played using my Min Bin Stormtrooper army, and just having those two armies fully painted, um, you know, on a table with great Star Wars terrain, with and we played on the ruined uh, Adat table. It was man, it came to yeah, life. Brilliant, so good. Yep, and it's what it's, yeah. what, it's what we play. Yeah, yeah it is. Now, you have been playing in some events. Specifically, you played in, and I know I'm getting a little off topic, but we will come back to the questions. You played recently in um, Australia's largest Kings of War event, one of Australia's largest Kings of War events? No, that's going to be in the next couple of weeks. That's going to be in Australia Day uh, in the end of January. No, I played in an event which was the first 
one of the first third edition Kings of War events in Australia. Right. And it was still attached yeah. to the Masters, though. Though it was That's like, right. it, it was, was a greater event around the Masters, but it wasn't the Masters yeah. itself, if that makes it was sense. A, it was a sort of a two-day event that they put on. It was about 27 players. Uh, two-day event. The first day was all about a narrative event, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun, which is what I played in. Nice. And it was four games of, of Kings of War, 2,000 points, and it was just so much fun. It was good guys versus bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second day was Masters, which I didn't play in, uh, and had an absolute ball. It was it was a great day. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, and you got that to... army. I... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that I took to that a, a brand new army that I had um, painted in two weeks. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the Night Stalkers. Yeah, so a two thousand point Night Stalker army in two weeks. Brother, that is nuts. Now, why that specifically is that nuts is I've seen that army, and to say you've painted it in two weeks, it is astonishing looking. Um, and I know you got a lot of comments on the day. Mm. Yeah. It was, it, it's something interesting. And, and I guess when you, um, when you look at a plan and how am I going to do this army, um, things like it took me longer to paint those 10 growl knights and it did an entire 2000 point army for night stalkers, right? Mm-hmm. Because the grail knights had every color I think I owned, <laughs> Like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and it was, it was, there was uh, freehand, there was all sorts of stuff on that. Whereas the Night Stalker army is this stuff of nightmares, and, and I designed it with a very limited palette. Mm-hmm. It only had about three or four colors throughout it. So, yeah. in that way, they were I didn't striking colors. A lot of dry brushing, a lot of, yeah. you know, very uh, strategic placement of colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it looks as an army, it really blends in together, and um, and that's what it was about. So it, you take away the individual um, miniature mm-hmm. because it's just part of a whole, and you've got to look at it as a whole. So you know there might be twenty of these reapers on a on a regiment base, but individually they don't really. You don't need to concentrate too much on the details because yeah. they're always going to be looked at as part of a larger group, and you want them to look like a. Um, like a, a swarming horde of evilness. Yeah. Um, so you don't necessarily need to see the individuals. So that's just one, you know, yeah. You can you can really achieve, like if you ever want to do a quick army, have a think about just using a limited palette across the entire army. Yeah. Well, that's literally what I did with the Min Bin Stormtroopers. It was mm. sponging white, you know, sponging off-white, sponging white, and then touching up white with some sponging browns and blacks and, just going back in, but it was, you know, stormtroopers. Woo! Limited palette. Love it. Yeah. More colors on the base than on the models themselves. Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. But, it, you know, when I was painting the guns, I was like, cool, I'm going to use three shades of gray um, because yeah. everything else was just whites and blacks. Um, and it was, yeah. yeah. But when, I mean, it's it's finding those effective color combinations and the purples and the blues that you used on the night stalkers were just so you know eye catching but for me i always forget and i always try and paint every single model like it's going to be the one that i'm going to be judged on and i think that's why mm. i'm such a slow damn painter whereas if you can think about the project as a whole that's all you yeah. really have to do yeah uh, that's exactly right. You know, it, it, it depends what you're after and what you get out of the hobby as well. Like for me, I looked at that particular army and I was always going to do a very quick turnaround. Yeah. It was, that was part of that particular plan, mm-hmm. you know, whereas in other armies like my um, Kings of Men 
Kingdoms of Men army that I'm mm. using a bunch of Bretonians and Empire stuff. That's taken me like a year. Yeah. To do, you know. So it's it's about what you want to achieve from that particular army at that time. If you just want to paint it, get it on the table and play with it, then have a plan. Use a totally. limited palette. Totally, man. Mm. Right on. Well, have we answered the first question? Did you want to talk 40K? Yeah, first, no. First question answered. Okay. Let's, let's move Second on to the game. next one about, yep. Yeah. Now, going into 2019, having spoken to you offline quite a lot, I know, I think I know where you're going to start, but then let's talk about the journey. Um, Let's talk about your overall favorite game of 2019, where you thought you were going to go, and then where you actually ended up. Yeah, so I was very, very, um, at the start of 2019, I was really committed to uh, playing 40K for the most part. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to um, get in, start to learn the game. There was a lot of hype. I love the lore. Mm -hmm. I love the miniatures. And I wanted to to start working on that a lot more. But that's not where I ended up. Um, Where I ended up with Kings of War. So without doubt, to me, it was the game of uh, 2019. And, you know, it also, I will say with the 40K stuff, is that I did um, play... Rather than 40K, I did play a lot of Kill Team. Yeah. Um, but that we can, yeah, so I could spoil that a little bit. But more so, yeah, I ended up with, with Kings of War version 3 hit, and it is by far the the cleanest, um, best game I've played in Wargaming. Now, uh, there's a lot in there that we need to unpack, but let's start with Kings of mm. War version 3. Now, Kings of War uh, was an Alessio game. It was originally written by Alessio, or at least partially by Alessio, before it was taken over by Mantic. Now, a lot of people have poo-pooed um, Kings of War in the past because it, you know, the, it was when it was originally conceived, it lacked a lot of fluff, and you know, t- it was almost like a tongue-in-cheek reference. You are playing this game in the land of Mantica, which is yeah. ma- you know, Mantic games. And I know, in literally talking with some uh, old Warhammer players, they loved the game, but the lack of you know, a story really put them off. And so they ended up going back to Age of Sigmar. And recently talking with them, they've made the same comments, at which point I've gone, but they're not doing that anymore. There's actually stories. In fact, there's a lot of fluff. Um, do you want to talk a, a little lot. bit about that? Yeah, sure. I think, um, like you said, Alessio designed the game mechanics and and they put the game out there. Uh, with a, as in Mantic, with mm-hmm. a, a limited selection of available miniatures to purchase from them. And they yeah. were still a young company. They were still, you know, I wouldn't say the miniatures were fantastic, but they were right. cheap, yeah. you know. And um, and they, they did what was a really smart business move, which was build the community up, you know, mm-hmm. build the business up over time. And gradually they went in, you know, they then went to version two, made more miniatures available. The quality started to increase. Um, but again, you know, you had a relatively hollow setting. Um, yeah. it, it was, you know, you had to make it up yourself or there was very limited there. And, and, you know, you didn't have a history of this world called Manica. You had some general things that might've happened. There was no yeah. stories about it. There was no books that you could buy to read about it. Um, and so gradually what they've done is they've been introducing the fluff as well as tightening up the game yeah. and they dropped version three. Now, over the past sort of 12 months as well, there's been, you know, a couple of novels and one who was written by our, our good friend, um, Mark Barber, Mark Barber and Mark wrote, you know, steps to deliverance, which mm-hmm. I thought was a really fantastic gripping book about, about the world yeah. of Mantica. 
And um, when they dropped the new version three rulebook, it's this massive tone, yeah. and they've gone right into depth about what is this world, and yeah. it's a different world. It is not just a they've created it themselves. It's not just sort of a copy and paste of the old Warhammer fantasy world, yeah. You know, which is an easy thing to do, yeah. You know, because people know it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, your Mantic is their own company. They want to develop their own IP and they want to develop their own stories and they want people to come on that journey with them and kind of step away from what they used to know and mm-hmm. the, and, the, and the preconceptions and all that was the old fantasy world and just accept and embrace this new thing. And they've, they've given that. And I think a lot of people have gone, yep, let's, let's go, let's go on this journey. We're happy. Let's discover something new. Um, and it's, and it's great. It really is. And the stories will evolve, you know, now that we've got, what I would consider to be like quite a detailed background. Yeah. The world will now evolve because the community starts to develop their own, you know, thing which fits with that lore. You know, so I, I developed a full backstory for my Kingdoms of Men army based now yeah. because I've got a map. You know, I can tie it into the mm-hmm. politics of the region and I can sort of have a motivation behind the army. Um, and, and so it'll, it'll grow and it'll develop. There'll be more stories. And, and I think it's in a good place. Yeah, man, that is so cool. Um, yeah. Now, I do also want to point out that um, while they, Mantic has been evolving its story um, for the Kings of War universe, I think it's really interesting, and I I'm, was kind of wanting you to talk a little bit about when I brought up Alessio as the game designer, um, well, I, I guess I didn't finish my thought there. Now, he only sort of laid out the first and second edition, and since then, the game's been um, sort of under the shepherding of what they call the Rules Committee. And there's actually a group of people sanctioned by Mantic who answer rules questions, who tighten up the army books. In fact, their release, they, they're responsible for the army list, I think in Uncharted Territories, the entire book. Um, and now they're doing, you know, they essentially did the rules for third edition and they've tightened up the, the army lists for the entire game. And so, I mean, mm. f- to take, I mean, but those aren't professional rule writers. Those are just fans of the game. And when I say that, I don't mean to be dismissive or to make it sound like they don't know what they're doing. Clearly these are people who know this game, who know the community, who know um, you know what needed tightening up. Yeah, he knew what yeah. was good, how to and how to tweak it. Um, but just like Games Workshop, they are going through and they are tweaking their rules. They're they're adding things. They're uh, evolving the lists um, through regular releases. Is it every twelve months they put out a, a book? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So the rules committee is responsible for that. Um, well, I'm obviously working with Mantic. Uh, to right. you know, make sure that everything's going smoothly. But um, yeah, they're, they're really involved in the community and they put out a supplement every year, which changes the focus a little bit. You know, it might balance some units, it might tweak some things, but yeah. there's a very good thing with what Mantic have done is is they have embraced the community. They've embraced so the cool. people and the uh, and respect the opinions of those that play the game a lot. Yeah, you know, so these guys are the people on the rules committee. Are, you, you know, your various players from the different countries mm-hmm. and they they feed into um what's working what's not you know these guys are the these guys are the ones who go to events and they see if something's being spammed and it's just tromping on things so they can 
tweak it and adjust it and, and get a very balanced rule set. So it's yeah. not like Mantic has just put it out there and then forgotten about it. You know, right. it, it, it gets put out there, it gets evolved, and over the course of that 12 months that gets worked on, it gets play tested, and they drop one supplement a year, Yeah. right? So you buy the rule book, and, you know, the version 2 rule book, for example, you know, I bought that, and then you could buy the uh, the supplement, which is the Uncharted Empires book. Mm-hmm. And the um, so in the main rule book, what you have is all the armies there that Mantic make models for. Right. Right. So you can then pick up that and go for every single race within here. I can go to the Mantic web store. I can go to the various retailers, and I can buy miniatures from Mantic made by Mantic. Yeah. Then they, what they did is is again they respected the community and accepted that there was a lot of people with armies from the old world or from different manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So they made, you know, um, lists for those particular forces like, you know, um, Kingdoms of Men is a good example. You know, it's just a generic Kingdoms of Men, but but yeah. so many people had Empire and, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of armies. So they, they fit that in. They fit Lizardmen. They fit those sort of things in. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot of tweaking that goes on with those lists to make sure they're fair and reasonable. Um, so yeah, the rules committee is a really good evolving thing. It's what makes Kings of War, in my opinion, really good. They don't overwhelm you with erratas and, you know, there's no codexes as such. It's literally Mm -hmm. just an army book and then you don't have to, but if you want to, you can buy the Uncharted Empires book, which has armies in there, which aren't in the main rule book. Um, and then once a year you buy a supplement and Mm -hmm. that's, that'll get you through, you know, you, you don't really need anything else. But it's, it's, yes. And what I like about that, I mean, not only are they reaching out to their community, are they, you know, anticipating the needs, but just the, the amount of play testing that goes out with the lists mm. prior to their release through the rules committee and through the people that they play with, um, through play testing groups, through the whole process, it means that by the time third edition came out and it, like second edition, had a ton of lists in it. And as you said, there's a list in there for every um, army that Kings War, or sorry, that Mantic makes. But every one of those lists then includes additional units that they don't make. So, you know, yeah. they're even more inclusive. But every one of those units has been tightened and tightened and tightened to the point where, you know, everything is fairly reasonably balanced. Now, of course, there's always things that are, you know, more efficient or more popular or better. I mean, that's just the nature of gaming. People find synergies. And, you know, the the quickest way to break a game is that to put it out and give it to gamers because we love to destroy things. Um, but, you know, tear apart the games that we love. But because of they have that that communication with the community, when something's broken, they fix it. But I have yeah. rarely seen a game system so uh, preemptive and so um, forward-thinking in the way that they put out the game so it they don't have those problems in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And also, the um, I will say, the engagement by the people at Mantic Games. So it's not like they've just left it and said, off you go, rules committee, a bunch yeah. of unpaid people who just, you know, did, does the work for them. That's, that's not what happens at all. Right. But like Ronnie Renton, who, you know, who, who owns the company, he's coming to CanCon in January. You know, so, so he's flying from England. He's coming over mm-hmm. here and he's going to be hanging around with the 70 players that are playing Kings of War at CanCon on on. Australia a long weekend. And he'll be that's, listening to them. That's pretty special. That is you know, amazing. So, 
Um, it, it's, it's, I couldn't imagine the board of GW doing something like that. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, like it's it's just yeah it, it it feels it's a good game. All I can say is if you haven't played it and you like fantasy battles, it's certainly a game to get into and and, yeah. and look around and don't bring any preconceptions with you about what it should be. You know, and that try and bend it mm-hmm. to you know what Warhammer Fantasy Battles was because I'm pretty sure speaking to a lot of people, you know, that was not exactly smooth <laughs> at times. No, uh, it, it's a very issues. different game. Uh, having played uh, a lot of Warhammer Fantasy and played a couple games of Kings of War 2nd Edition, they're very different games. But man, yeah. I th- honestly, I think Kings of War does a better job than 8th Edition Fantasy did, and I liked 8th Edition. So I think yeah. it's a, yeah, it's, it does a wonderful job. But as you say, you can't go in expecting it to be Warhammer Fantasy Battles, because it isn't. Yeah, yeah, but it's, a, it's an amazing game. It's my game now. Like, I've, I've locked onto this game. And uh, it'll be my game for at least the next twelve to twenty-four months. Yeah, right on. Well, yeah. so you let's let's jump back then to some of the other things that you said. Now you said you also played a lot of Kill Team, um, yes, the forty k skirmish game. Talk to us a little bit about that. So I loved Kill Team. I loved the fact that I could get a game in in the forty k universe mm-hmm. um, that was really well balanced, that wasn't super competitive, and I could get it in in an hour. Yeah. Right. Yep. That, yep. That's what I love about it. Um, you know, my time is relatively limited, mm-hmm. uh, so when I could go down and get a game in and have a good chat to my mates at the local uh, game store and still be home before nine o'clock at night, it makes me pretty happy. Yeah, man, that's special. I mean, just when time is precious, to have those games that are short, sharp, and allow you to get that in, especially with Kill Team, because Kill Team really did focus on the narrative. Um, yes. And really allowed you to dig into the characters in your kill team. It really did kind of feel special when you're building your team and you're equipping them and then you put them down on the table It and, and then you, you're playing out a mission. It's it's very cinematic. It, it just really, that, that narrative is, is really cool. I mean, I know a lot of people play kill team in a very cutthroat manner um i've heard that quite a bit um i have not had that experience every time Mm. i've played kill team it has been uh with friends who you know we just are telling a story and it's a blast man it is so much fun absolutely and we we've got a um we're going to be running a campaign you know at the start of this year and uh it's just going to be a great fun good natured campaign nice perfect setting for it great universe great game system um that's nice quick and easy and we can even get in two games a night yeah man it's cool i i'm very impressed with Warcry as well um again as a game that allows me to use existing fantasy models that i have sitting in a figure case um mm-hmm. i haven't bought a single model for Warcry to date um i have however bought the rules and got the expansion uh compendium and the extra cards um, and I know that the terrain is beautiful. I happen to have a lot of terrain. So for me, it doesn't make that much of a difference. I can still recreate it, but man, it is a fun, fun game. I think games workshop when they were looking for the sort of the beer and pretzels analog, I know a lot of people were upset that it wasn't Mordheim or more like Mordheim. I prefer as much as I have fond memories of Mordheim, um, having recently reread some of the rules for that game, I think I prefer Warcry. It is <laughs> it is yeah. so efficient and streamlined and yet fun. Um, it it's just really cleverly done, and I think Games Workshop 
um, did something which for them is, you know, Games Workshop often goes back to the well and they riff on sort of the same ideas over and over and over again. They it, it's it's a little bit of fan service. But for this game, the way the dice work, um, it just it feels innovative. It, it's different. It, it really does mm. feel like its own thing. And I love that about it. And I'm really looking forward to playing some uh, organized games on the weekend. Not necessarily, you know, I'm going to go win a tournament. Um, no, uh, I'm, I'm going to roll some dice and laugh and see what happens. And I'm just looking forward to getting three organized games in a day where I can just play. Yeah. Have a good time and then head out. Yep, exactly. Well, I think my game for 2019 has to be. Well, 2018 was Gaslands. I played more of it than anything else that year. I loved it. I played it tons. And I have played a fair bit this year as well. Um, and I still am trying to get more 7 TV in me. Um, and I'm loving that system. Uh, but I think my game of the year has to be Warlords of Erewhon. I think I probably played more of it than anything else, uh, including Star Wars Legion. But I am really looking forward to playing more Legion. Um, I've talked at length about why I think Legion sort of hit a sweet spot as far as the units that they're putting out, the additional mission cards, the new armies that has really broadened the universe and made the game sing. Um, and so that might be my game next year. Um, however... Again, Warlords of Erewhon. I think it's a fantastic game. Um, and a lot of what I have to say about it, I've said previously on other episodes, but just to quickly summarize, I love that it's a miniature agnostic game written by Rick Priestley, so it feels good um, as an old Warhammer player. It is innovative. It is different. It does have a lot of the feels of bolt action and sort of classic Warhammer thrown together and allows me to use almost any model in my cupboard, literally any, which I think is really exciting for someone who's got a crudload of old, you know, half-finished armies sitting in cases. Um, and, you know, I, I was going to play, or I did play Dave Monroe about a week ago, and he and I were having a conversation about what, you know, what we're going to play. He said, hey, what do you want, what are you, you going to play? He said, oh, I might take this. And I went, cool. What do you want me to play? And he went, I don't know. And I went, cool, let me, let me open a figure case. And I literally went in my closet, pulled out a figure case, opened it, and it was Warriors of Chaos, and went, because when they're lined yeah. up in my closet, I can't see which one's which. Pulled it out. And the first one was Warrior, you know, Warriors of Chaos, bang, Barbarians. And it was fun. It was cool. I got to throw it down. And, you know, the, that's an unloved army that was just sitting there. Um, and I'm just so glad that I'm able to get out and play a game. And it was one of the closest games I've played this year. Um, it was a nail biter. And it was an army that literally was collecting dust. And I had an awesome experience. And I'm glad that Rick's out there in his retirement putting out new army lists for this game. Um, on his own time, constantly updating the army lists that currently exist. Um, and because he wrote basically almost all the army lists at once, they're balanced. And I, it, mm. it feels good. And he's updated the points so flyers are way more points than they used to be. He's listening to the community. Um, and while this isn't Mantic having sort of a rules committee, it's one guy who wrote the rules and then is listening to his community and is active on Facebook, um, interacting with people's posts. And it's just cool. It's cool to see. And I, I love the game, yeah. and I'm really excited about it. 
So um, again, I've been pulling undead models together so I can do a Warlord's Army with it. Um, and I, I got a Christmas box from my parents uh, the other day. And in it was you know some things from home that I asked them to send over. And in it was a big old box of, um, speaking of old Lizardman model from when Lizardmen were in the... Um, the core game for fantasy battle with Bretonians. Um, I got a big box of those lizard men. Um, so I'm going, Hmm. Yeah. I wonder how contrast paints might work. Uh, I love how all these old, old armies are finding a, um, a, a new lease on life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun, man. It's fantastic you know, to look at these old Saurus models. They're ugly as hell, but God, they're, you know, they were my gaming history and I cleaned the flash yeah. on those models in 1994, 95, whenever the box came out, because I ordered it the mm. day it came out. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's amazing Go. that that is going to, that army is going to get a new life and I'm just going, yeah, yeah it, it, it feels good. Um, anyway, <laughs> well, those are the successes patch. Let's uh, yep. let's get to the last one. What were, I guess, I don't know if disappointments um, is the word. I mean, that's a really strong word. And I know on this show we try to be positive, but um, let's 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 talk about some of the things this year that maybe didn't work out the way we'd hoped. Um, yeah, yeah. Go I, ahead, I please. So. And Take it. Disappointment away. is is not necessarily disappointment in you know uh, the company or anything like that. That's but more true. disappointed in the range of factors, maybe. You know, and for me, I will say Quite that right. my disappointment was was probably Warhammer Forty Thousand, mm. uh, and I say that from the context that I had some really good ambition to to get in and maybe go to some events and really just embrace the community and see really what the fuss was about. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, it's it's probably the biggest game war, war uh, you know tabletop game. Yeah going around and um i hadn't had much experience of it in the past and with eighth when eighth edition came out i thought now's a great opportunity and i tinkered with it and i thought no i'm going to get a bit serious about this and and i built a couple of armies up um i think actually i how many have i got now i've got death guard a lot i've got space marines Mm -hmm. i've got orcs Mm -hmm. i've got black legion and i decided to build a Admec army. So I was going to say, you definitely have Admec, yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, I just love so much about the world, and and the, and the miniatures are just amazing, amazing. Yeah. But where I became disappointed in is, I think, just the pace to which the game system moves is incompatible to my hobby. Yeah. Um, in the way of like you know at least playing the game, and uh, and what I find, what I found is that that the, the the releases are like a machine gun, just one after the other. Yeah. And like you, you buy a codex and you go, okay, I've barely read this. And now they're bringing out a supplement and an errata for that supplement. Mm-hmm. And then it's another codex, which has got, you know, better rules than that codex. And, and I'm sort of like, like I honestly have no idea where to start now. And yeah. if I wanted to go and play a game, what do I need now? And and I feel like I'm I'm just I, I'm maybe it's because I've gotten older and or maybe I just you know get, if it makes me feel that Warhammer Forty Thousand is like a really jealous mistress, <laughs> or a, a yes. Je- a, yes. sorry, a jealous girlfriend yeah. who, who does not let you spend any time with your friends or any time with your 
you know, anyone else that demands 100% of your attention. Mm-hmm. And this disappointed me in that because I really wanted to be a part of it. But I just can't. I can't keep up. I can't keep paying the money for these codexes, like all the releases. And, you know, it's just too fast for me. So that to me was probably the greatest disappointment in the last year was realizing that I'm just incompatible with playing that game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I would love to say that I I can't uh, commiserate with that, um, but that's me and uh, Age of Sigmar. Uh, I keep I have mm. lots of friends that play, who are very active, very passionate players of the game, um, and I keep wanting to jump on. I keep spending stupid amounts of money on rules and on miniatures so I can do that, and spent time. You know, painting armies, um, paint, finish, trying to finish models, um, and then trying to base things that you've thankfully sent me. And I just keep going, oh, my God, like, I just can't, I just can't keep up. Um, and I just, yeah. and I spend so much time trying to finish the projects that I literally, and because I hate playing with unpainted models, I literally, I, I've only ever played one game of the damn thing. Um, mm. and I just, I want to play it more, but I just, I don't, I don't have the time to learn the damn game system. And it's not like it's hard. Um, yeah, yeah I just, yeah. it's like, it. I mean, if I want to play and I will obviously play with my son, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I could probably play it casually with some mates, but there's going to be a lot of, like, I just, I can't, I don't yeah. feel like I could step into an event like I can with the other game systems that I like. Yeah. Um, just because I feel that I, I can't dedicate the time uh, just to, to know what I'm doing <laughs> with all these erratas and books. And it just seems like every every week or two there's something new coming out which I need to be on top of. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and this is something I feel if you, you know, you know the game Infinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a, I've spoken about it before, I think, is that, I just I couldn't keep up with that game because I felt like I had to study it. Yes, which was taking the fun out of playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that I just sort of went and I and I moved away from that game many years ago. But uh, and that's where I started. I, I got to feel with 40k, and that and that was my, I guess, my disappointment of 2019 was that I just couldn't keep up. Yeah. Well, I think that ties in nicely with my other big. I guess my big um, disappointment for 2019 is though I've gotten more games in this year than I had previously. I mean, playing games of Gaslands, I got crudloads of that in. I'm talking more about different games, games of different systems, if that makes sense. Um, I played a lot of different game systems this year and I had a blast doing it. But I miss. I feel like I, I haven't given some games enough attention. I love Conflict 47. I love bolt action. I've played almost none. I, I don't think yep. I played Conflict Forty Seven. I think I played one game this year, and I played. I haven't played a lot of bolt action in the last six months. Um, that said, I mean, uh, Reality's Edge, the the awesome Osprey uh, cyberpunk game. I'm so keen to play that game. It looks so good, and I have models that I you know I send away for. And they showed up, but by the time they showed up, I was stuck into other projects, and I just haven't had a chance to go back and paint. And so I just, it's a game that I yeah. desperately want to play, 
And yeah, and I've spent all this time painting up, you know, a Star Wars Legion army of my own. And I have, you know, some great terrain for that game and tons of people to play with. Again, it's just making the time to do it. And then they had to drop Marvel Crisis Protocol on my ass. And now yeah. I'm ugh, too many things. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to systematically get a and rather than trying to do like six armies for each game and being like that guy. I think my my goal for 2020, if I can segue into where we're going next, I think this year I just, I mean, this year was the year where I was trying to get projects done that I'd started, and I got a lot of things done, and I'm really happy, and I got to play a lot of games that I had been meaning to, and so for that, I'm, I'm super excited, you know, super happy with where 2019 went. We got the the YouTube channel up and running. There are more videos coming, guys. I've just upgraded some of the gear, and I'm still figuring out how to use it, Um but I think for 2020, it's just going to be try and get... So I'm trying to get my Warcry Warband done. Um, I've got my Star Wars Legion army that I can add bits and pieces to. And then, you know, try and finish maybe my goblins for Warlords of Erewhon or, you know, something else. But just take time, get a an army done for each game, get my heroes painted for Marvel Crisis, get things going, and just play some games. Have some fun. Um, mm. and there might be some masters of the universe models in there. And I desperately want to put my GI Joe Cobra army on the table, which, um, will be coming to the YouTube channel soon. Anyway, that's me rambling, but that's kind of my feel for 2020. Lovely. Uh, how about Lovely. you? Man? Yeah. So weirdly, my 2020 is not to paint any more armies. <laughs> um, you should see the expression on my face. Yes. Okay. Explain. Yeah. Because I, if if I if I just break it down for a second, it's like a, I've got to break myself out of this habit of painting armies, and putting it there and going, okay, well, what armies next? Because it's a never, it's a it's a beast that can never be, you know, filled. It's true. I'll just yeah. keep doing it. Yeah. And um, I, I don't like at the moment there is nothing that. I need to paint for. I have everything I want. Yeah. Like I'm just adding bits and pieces here for armies that I have. So I have no major projects on the cards and I want to keep it that way because what I want to do is focus on getting better at painting um, individuals. Nice. So I've ordered a bust, a miniature bust, like a cool. one to 10 bust or something like that. So what I want to do this year is really concentrate on being, being a better painter mm -hmm. and so i'm going to try and do a lot of um busts this year yeah. nice which um, is not obviously they're not playable in a miniature game but when you paint eight armies in a year like i don't need to paint no, anymore you um, <laughs> you've got I've enough got armies yeah, there exactly. i just want to play them and then occasionally add a unit here or there should i wish um but i want to again concentrate let's learn okay I, like I don't need to prove that I can paint armies anymore. No, exactly. <laughs> I can do that. I just want to prove to myself that I can get better at painting, if that makes sense. It does, man. That is such a cool goal. Um, because, as you say, you've, you've proven it, and you've, you've clearly put some thought into you know, the, what you need as a painter or as an individual. And you know, you, you've noticed that you know, sometimes, for me, for example, I know that there's too many games that I need to stop trying to play all of them. Um, and yet I'm still kind of chasing that un mm. untenable dream, but that's kind of the, the crux of this podcast. So I don't, I'm not sure I can stop that one. Um, but absolutely, man, I think that shows a lot of maturity and just some, 
Definitely makes me think I need to rethink my my goals. But um, I man, I'm dead keen to see what you do with the bus. Now I've seen a picture of it, but why don't you tell the folks at home what bus did you order? Um, and was that intentional, or is that just the first one you saw that you liked the look of? Given that you're not painting an army, and bus don't necessarily match armies, um, what's the process that you're kind of looking at this with? Well, look, I honestly just hit eBay up and just wrote miniature bus, and I come across one which is of the um, uh, the, the the Renaissance style lounge wreck. Mm-hmm. How do you say it? How do you pronounce it? I have no idea. Yeah, I, I know yeah. who you're talking about, but yeah, I, I am not saying that either. <laughs> um, but it's it's of a of a Renaissance soldier with a great big long beard, nice big hat, and big fluffy arms mm-hmm. um, with a breastplate. And uh, I just saw it. I loved it, and it'll give me an opportunity to do a lot of non-metallic metal. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, the colors. There's going to be reds and blues, and and then really concentrate on skin tones um so it's just really experimenting and, and the thing is that it, it's okay to fail as well because yeah. it's like i'm going back to scratch um, mm-hmm. and i'm just gonna you know and these things cost about i think it was about 25 dollars posted um which is about eight cents us so exactly. i'll be able to you know i can i could just buy like a bunch of them and then um gradually work on them and and it's t- it's going to teach me patience as much as anything else. Nice, oh, yeah. patience. That's a that's a harsh <laughs> mistress sometimes, my friend. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Well, if it's one thing <laughs> well, I've learned, it's uh, for a man who's such a good painter, you've also mastered braiding hair. Um, I can braid hair, yes, yes like a champion. <laughs> oh, that's like what the, you get from daughters. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, right on. Well, Patch, um, I think that that brings us to the end, my good friend. Is there anything in particular, right. um, game wise, maybe, or movie wise, or pop whatever that you're really looking forward for two, uh, two, you know, twenty twenty? Uh, no, no. Look, uh, obviously, just playing in the Kings of War event at CanCon in 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 the next four weeks is amazing. And if nice. there is any listeners of your show and they they see me there, come and have a chat. Yeah, man, guys. If you don't uh, look up who Patch is, you should. Obviously, I mean, you should know the man. Um, he's his stuff is all over Paint the Minis these days. And if you type Cast Dice uh, Patch into uh, Facebook, you will see a ton of the stuff that either he's painted um, that I've shared or stuff that he's painted literally uh, for me. And man, his stuff is top notch. And if you see him at CanCon and he's wearing that awful blue baseball cap for the team that shall not be named, please is that the, ask him is that to the- take it off. Is that the Boston Yankees hat? Oh, dude, you cut me deep when you do that. You cut me deep, Jack. <laughs> cut me deep. <laughs> oh. I'm going to wear that hat now. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm looking forward to... Um, personally, I'm super looking forward to putting the G.I. Joe army on the tabletop. It has been something I've been sort of collecting bits and pieces for for a long time and painting the vehicles. And Patch has been on uh, very patiently... Uh, painting some of the infantry, most of the infantry, I should say, um, for that project. Um, so I cannot wait to start playing G.I. Joe games in 156 scale using uh, either 7TV or Bolt Action is the rule set. I've had a few people ask what rules I'm using. Those are they. I will be publishing videos of these games. Um, I also have some matching Transformers in the same scale that I'm going to be painting up. And um, turns out Bot Wars... 
allows you to run giant 80 style robots against 80 style military <laughs> vehicles and infantry. Ha <laughs> ha! G.I. Joe versus Transformers, baby. And I know you're not supposed to do that with Bot Wars, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's my hobby. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited about doing that. And um, I got some Masters of the Universe stuff. And I got a 3D printed Castle Grey Skull that's staring at me right now. And, uh, man, I'm just, I don't know what it is about nostalgia in me of late, but I'm going to be diving down that rabbit hole uh, fully in 2020. And uh, I was super excited about Crisis Protocol. It's out. Uh, I hope to play some of it. And uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm excited. That's where I'm excited about. Ladies and gentlemen, as we've talked about on this show in the past, um, it is always exciting to hear from you guys. I have gotten an overwhelming number of messages uh, during the Christmas season and the New Year season this year. And I do want to take a second to say thank you very much to those of you who listen to the show. Um, I got a few messages from people who were longtime listeners recently who had never messaged me before, um, who didn't don't always hit like or comment on things that I post on Facebook, but have been listening from the beginning. And it, that meant the world to me that you know they reached out and had a few words, uh, kind words this holiday season. Uh, the end of the school year was a tough one for me, and so. Those were particularly uh, welcome messages, and it's just nice to know that, you know, that that people are listening and that they're enjoying this madness that, uh, you know, Cast Dice is. But if you have any sneers, jeers, abuses, or uh, suggestions for the future for this show or for the YouTube channel games that you'd like us to see played or talk about, um, I know the list is long, but if you'd like to get in there, weight of numbers and, you know, getting in on my ADHD and getting my um, passions about a project in is the best way to do it. So message me. Hey, um, if you go to Cast Dice on Facebook, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E, I would love to hear from you and uh, talk. Uh, I know some people are sometimes a little surprised that it can take me a little while to get back. Um, I do guarantee response usually within six to 12 hours. If it seems like it's a long time, that's usually because I'm asleep and you're awake. Uh, the world is a very strange place and time zones. I turn my phone off at night. Um, but please don't worry about time zones when you're messaging, because as I said, I turn my phone off when I'm asleep, but I guess on that note, I think it's uh, patch. I think it's right and proper that we, if we're talking about Casey's uh, questions, that we talk about the man's quote on the way out. But before we do that, yes. I do want to take a second to say thank you, Patch, for coming on today and talking about those questions. Um, it's just been good to to break you know break bread so to speak and chat and catch up, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, as as always, Brad. I feel like it's just a conversation between you and I, and we just invite a few people along. That's it, brother. That is it. And man, one of these days, I'm gonna have to get you down in Melbourne Town, and we will have to play a game, and people can see us wearing our uh, rival baseball caps and uh, <laughs> rolling dice and having fun. Love it. Right on. Well, as our good buddy Casey says, ladies and gentlemen, when you are playing the games that we know and love. I hope your beverages are cold. I hope your dice roll hot. But more than anything else, we at Cast Dice want you in 2020 to just have fun. Good night. Another day rise and battle quiet sun. A few cracks of 
And then track my home.